0: What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet.
1: I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. And we're continuing our 25 Tactics of Male Power series. Yes. I'm quite enjoying this series, actually. It's nice to be able to put pen to paper and to verbalize the shitty ways that men try and keep women under the thumb. When doing the research for these sorts of episodes, it's always quite eye-opening when you start to connect the dots and just realize that actually this is all very deliberate by design and you will most likely recognize these patterns in your relationships or past relationships with men
0: and not even just relationships but on a societal wide scale so a lot of these tactics are both used interpersonally but also on a group level aka patriarchy So, I think last episode, we really focused on the physical aspects of male power. So, this one is going to be a little bit more about emotional aspects of male power. So, emotional manipulation tactics that men use on women to maintain their power. So, what's the first one, Ro? Well, technically, I think it's number six. So, number six is negging slash bullying. Oh my gosh.
1: I think I saw like the peak neg on actually Wikipedia. So, I recently posted. On my Twitter account, a comment from Richard Burton, who was married to Elizabeth Taylor, where he was basically saying that calling her the most beautiful woman in the world is nonsense because she's gone overdeveloped chest. She was quite busty. She's like short in the leg, and she's got a double chin. Now, if you look at what they both looked like in around 1966, which is around the time Richard Burton like made those comments he literally looks homeless and she's literally like Elizabeth Taylor would look like. And he still managed to neg her, like physically, even though she was like conventionally a 10 out of 10 and he was maybe a three or a four. Maybe. Yeah. Men like to devalue
0: women through negging and bullying. And it's just a tactic to make you always be on the back foot when you're dealing with them. And once again, this is like an individual and a societal wide thing. I feel like it's become like less popular in mainstream media, but there was a time where a lot of mainstream media was just about men saying horrific things to women all of the time. And it was just like them harassing women on the street. It was ugly men with podcasts and mics, like the Howard Stern crowd, right? Uh, ugly men with podcasts and mics, Eminem, those types of guys, all they do is sit around and just bully women for basically no reason, other than they're just insecure assholes who
1: know that if they just throw the first stone that people won't turn the lens to them. And there's also different types of negging as well. I think like Ro said, there's the outright bullying and the outright just like shitting all over a woman, like Richard Burton did. But men can also be quite insidious in how they neg you. And one of the tactics is, as like Lilith coined so eloquently, a while back, you have the backfooting technique is when basically a man will give you a label that they know isn't true. So let's say, you know, they might say, oh, you're acting a bit like a gold digger, in the knowledge that the woman will then bend over backwards to prove that she isn't a gold digger. And that usually comes in the form of her lowering her standards and lowering her expectations so that he doesn't see her as a gold digger. So that's number one. Then there's also the concern trolling. So what I call concern trolling is that when a woman achieves something, a man will try and make out that the achievement is not going to be good for her in some sort of way. So if she gets a promotion at work, it might be in the form of, oh, but like, you know, I'm really, really worried about your mental health because taking this promotion, even though it means more money, it means that you're going to be more stressed out. It's just concern trolling as opposed to coming at it from, okay, wow, you've got this promotion at work. How can I support you to make sure that you can do this job well? For example, and the trick is to not only recognise the malevolent, like, negging, but also the benevolence, um, like, negging as well. That's also important, because especially if a guy is close to you, or if you like him, if he's a friend, or if he's your boyfriend, or whatever, the, the negging, it can be malevolent, but it also can be benevolent as well. And both are just as shitty, because ultimately, they should be supporting you. And I feel like if you know, a woman has an achievement or she's doing well in life and your first response is to try and, you know, bring her down 10 pegs. That just demonstrates his insecurity. But that's just something to just be aware of as well, is that Negin doesn't always like look like an Eminem diss on the surface. It can be more concern trolling.
0: That's basically what's happening with the Manosphere right now. And guys like Jordan Peterson concern trolling women about uh, how society's is to us about how we're going to be happy with our corporate careers. And we all secretly wish to be stay-at-home moms. And listen, I'm not going to be the person that defends any type of company in the way that they exploit workers. But at the same time, they're not coming at it from a place of genuine concern. It's just that they're very threatened by women having power and achieving things. And so their reaction to that is to project that every woman that has a successful career is going to be childless and miserable and that her life is going to be devoid of joy. And so that's a that's a way of publicly bullying women who have aspirational goals, even if it's just like because they're just sort of self-motivated or if they have aspirational goals because they do like power, they just don't like the fact that the power has shifted away from men. So now they're doing all this concern trolling bullying of uh, whenever a woman... Expresses a thought of vulnerability about, hey, maybe I, I haven't found somebody yet and I'd like to get married, or if they've had fertility troubles. And very infamously, one of the VPs of, I don't remember, sorry, which uh, company, but a tech VP, and she actually struggled with fertility issues for a long time and had nothing to do with her age. And all the manosphere was bullying her for that. It's just like they want to pile on women who have fertility struggles, who also have good jobs and are highly educated just to discourage women from pursuing anything that might give us any power?
1: I mean, ultimately, you know, like negging is a way that men try to humble women to actually achieve something. And even if a woman, it doesn't have to be like you've been promoted or something just by the fact that you are female, men know that you have an inherent advantage and that you are inherently valuable, perhaps more so than men to some degree. And that makes a lot of them very, very uncomfortable. So like for me, the way to tackle like negging and bullying is to understand where it's coming from and know that it doesn't say anything about you. It says a lot about the man's insecurities because I think jealousy and envy, very few people are very are comfortable with saying I'm actually quite envious or I'm jealous. They'll usually wrap it up in something that seems like constructive criticism or a neg or an attack. And, you know, when it comes to men, just stop putting, you know, so much stock into their opinions, just like with. most things male, it's abundant and low value.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you just recognize that it's a power trip for these guys and it's just them trying, I mean, just imagine being that obsessed over a stranger's fertility, for example. It's weird. And you have to understand that their laser focus on something that honestly doesn't really concern them is because they can feel they're losing power. It has nothing to do with them actually caring about uh, being actually caring about like think about all the women's issues out there and the fact that they've decided to take up this thing like that nobody asked for. It's because it's a power thing. Like, I think you just have to recognize when a man laser focuses on you as a problem or uh, trying to solve a problem that you never asked them to help solve or don't necessarily think is a problem. It's because they are trying to insert themselves as the authorities and shift the power to themselves and away from you. So that's all that is. Yes, Exactly.
1: Next, number seven, uh, weaponized empathy. Oh, wow. This is a big one. This is a really, really big one. And it's a big one because so many women fall for it as well. So many women fall for it. Women
0: are often socialized to be empathetic beyond the place where it makes any sense <laughs> in a way that men are not.
1: Yeah. And men know this. This whole, again, it goes back to backfooting. You know, men will say... Publicly, no one cares about my mental health whilst extracting the emotional and also mental um, like labor of the women around them. I mean, even immediately around them, but extracting, you know, that whole oh, poor little oppressed, you know, men's um, like sympathy that women are so happy to dish out. And again, it's just backfitting because like men know that women are naturally empathetic, which is why they pull the stunts that they do.
0: Yeah, I think it's a combination of socialized empathy and probably biological empathy in comparison to men. But I do think a lot of it's social, whereas like the position of women is often put to be the martyr within the family, the selfless person who serves everyone else and never has her needs met. That's not really a natural position per se, especially not for a grown man maybe for your kids we might argue that it's partially biological on some level but men really really exploit this when it comes to interpersonal relationships with women as well as society at large when they're trying to push movements they'll often like they'll often put forward a really really sympathetic case as the focal point for to get women on board right like if you show how something is affecting people in a really negative way Most women, I think, are going to be the first ones to get on board to say, like, oh, we shouldn't do this because this is a really horrible thing to do to people, or I feel empathetic for this person. Not recognizing that, like, sometimes in society, people are getting their karma, or sometimes in society, there's only lesser of two evils. Like, you
1: can't save everything all of the time. And it's perfectly okay in society. You don't have to care about everything. You actually don't, because especially as women, we only have so much capacity, and the world is quite a shitty place at least at the moment like you really really don't have to care about everything and I think that when I realized that if I was scrolling through my news feed and saw something sad that I don't have to care about it I actually became a lot happier and mentally free because that's exactly what men are doing they are scrolling past and not caring about <laughs> stuff scrolling past walking past <laughs> skipping past Honestly, I look at the videos of where a woman has been violently assaulted in an apartment building and the men just carried on walking. I'm not saying women should be like that, but it just goes to show that they can just walk on and not give a shit.
0: Yeah, I think men have a little bit more of a self-preservation instinct by default. And I think women probably have it too, but it's socialized out of us uh, at an early age for the benefit of men. So when we say weaponized empathy, it's often because the way that they socialize us out of being self-preserving is through empathy, right? A lot of people who are ne'er-do-wells will pretend to be victims and pretend to be helpless in order to lure women to help them, only to then harm them. Ted Bundy. Yeah. Ted Bundy is an example. You know, That's like an individual, but often that's also taking place on a societal wide level. It's like, you know, we've talked about abortion rights, et cetera. They're saying that they're trying to like protect unborn babies and they're like weaponizing a lot of women's empathy over the idea that there might be like dead babies or babies that are being mistreated, et cetera. And then not realizing that like actually without having robust abortion laws. It means that rapists get to choose their children. It means you could die from sepsis because you have complications from a pregnancy and you're unable to get an abortion. And a lot of the women who are in red states right now are figuring out, are finding out just how limited they are and just how much of a fool's bargain they made with these anti-abortion activists for their overall health. And like, it's not that anybody thinks abortion is like the best option. I think even most of your leftists pro sex education, people always think like contraception is the best, the best way to prevent pregnancy and abortion shouldn't necessarily be used you know, as regular birth control. But even then, it's like, you have to weigh the pros and cons and not be so swayed by like situational empathetic cases that you forget that there's a large societal wide implication of getting rid of certain things. Exactly. Another situation they're doing that, and we just talked to Dr. Suzanne Vierling, is a lot of women who are swayed against uh, reporting their husbands for various reasons or their boyfriend. If they're victims of domestic violence, you'll find that women often feel more empathy for their abusers than themselves. Very famously, I just talked about Megan Thee Stallion not wanting to report, you know, originally that Tory Lanez had a gun because she was afraid of him being shot by the police or... A lot of women who have been victims of domestic violence, who are afraid of messing up their husband's career, so they recant. There's just a lot of that kind of thing where men weaponize women's empathy, even though they're the perpetrators and they're abusers. And women go along with it because we don't wish them to suffer the consequences of their actions, or we think we don't see the societal wide implications of implementing something out of empathy that actually is the worst of two evils.
1: Yes, exactly, and I think a strategy to combat um, it's like I said earlier on is that you know your compassion and empathy as a woman you don't have to give it to anybody and nobody is entitled to it by default. You'll often find that when it comes to you know weaponizing empathy, men feel entitled to women's empathy. You know this is also why they extract it, and as a woman, you can say, "I just don't care about this as well." And another thing to note as well, and this is something that my like an aunt of mine, like said to me years ago, and it stuck with me is that just always be in a relationship with a man where he loves you more than you love him. Because if a man, you know, let's say that he loves a woman at a hundred percent, you know, if a woman, you know, loves that same man at 50%, she's probably still, you know, loving the man more, if that makes sense, just because of the way women and men are socialized differently. So A woman's 50% in a lot of cases is still worth more than a man's 100%. So to basically, you know, modify your behavior accordingly, you know, especially when it comes to dealing with like men, you know, when we think that we're being unfair to men as women thinking inside our socialization, it's actually, you know, that's actually fair to men in terms of objective fairness. Does that make sense? So I would always bear that in mind as well. Like you don't have to give your empathy and compassion to anybody. And if you feel like you are being manipulated to give it, that's because you are being manipulated and you should run. But also is like, just care about men a bit less, (laughs) generally speaking. (laughs) Care about them less. Because even if you care and love them a bit less, you are still caring and loving them a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for women's work and most of the caretaking trades and nonprofits and volunteer organizations, like the society would basically collapse because men don't have the requisite amount of empathy for their fellow human beings to do as much care work as women do. Right. I mean, just look at that on a societal wide level, like, and think about the fact that the men's rights activists are always complaining about how nobody cares about men's problems, but I don't see them getting up and like volunteering in homeless shelters. Right. Nope. Exactly. Nope. No, That's all women. all women. I mean elder care everything right children child care like anything that has to do with vulnerable people in society it's going to be like mostly women unless it's like horribly dangerous for some reason so just off rip just understand that men weaponize our empathy against us and they also devalue it which is why a lot of those professions are not paid well <laughs> because also a lot of women don't want to demand more money for their time because they feel like, oh, I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart. Yeah, I'm passionate about it. And quite frankly, I feel like more women need to be selfish in that arena as well, because you know the golden rule applies. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. If you got paid more, then you could shift and funnel your money into initiatives that you want to promote, which is basically what men do. They just try to get as much Money and power as possible. And then they shift the narrative through funding initiatives that they want in society. Whereas I think women try to do it bottom up a lot. And there's definitely room for that. I'm not saying to stop doing that. I'm just saying there has to be more women who are like mercenaries and understand like the power structure at the top, meaning like extract as much money from these scroats as possible and like turn your empathy off for as long as it takes you to get the money you need and then reallocate it where you see fit. In conclusion, Rob, these motherfuckers. No, I'm kidding. Um, In conclusion, Rob's (laughs) gross. In conclusion, Rob's gross.
1: Well, no, to be fair, I, I think I've told this story before, but when I was dating somebody and they didn't show up for a date and left me waiting for 50 minutes due to family problems, I just straight up said, I don't care about your family issues. Like you've wasted my time. And so they paid me 50 pounds. I just straight up said, I don't care. Like you've inconvenienced me. Like I'm not here for your sob story. Like I just don't care. This guy didn't fall in and he actually realized he fucked up and he paid me accordingly. So there's that.
0: Number eight, projection. (laughs) Projection, projection, projection. This is another male power tactic. Take the things that they believe that they feel that they want and then project it onto women.
1: And the things that they need as well. So, you know, they need to feel wanted, they need to get married because men have better outcomes from marriage than women, statistically speaking. You know, they need companionship and then project that onto women and make out like, if a woman doesn't have or want these things, then she's the defective one. That's like quite a multi-layered manipulation tactic that they're doing there, actually, if we look at, you know, what they're doing with projection. And it's, you know, part of the reason why for example, men will be clowning women who are supposedly going to be old cat ladies. But then there's now been a flurry of articles coming out saying that male, you know, social isolation should be seen as a public health crisis. Like literally.
0: Yeah. Because it's a them problem and they wanted to make it an us problem, right? That's what they do. They pretend like, oh, you feel some way when it's really them so that they can try to convince you to do something And what men generally try to do is to project a lot of their worst qualities and a lot of the things that they believe and a lot of the things that they would do onto women's motivations in any given situation. And so you can see a lot of like their paranoia stemming from the fact that they are believing the worst things about women because they are, in fact, the worst things about men. Meaning like they embody the worst qualities of humanity. And so they assume that women are operating on any given level on that level. And I'm not saying every woman's like an angel, but like the level of paranoia that men have about everything is really unjustified considering how much of the violence is only flowing in one direction, which is male to female.
1: Yeah. The violence and exploitation, like how men with no money, you know, worry about being stripped of all their assets. Right. What is that about? But trust me, like during my time in the homeless hostel, again, it's men drawing out the physical, you know, mental and emotional resources from women. It goes the other way. So it's complete projection. I also think part of it is fantasy as well. Like men want women to want all of these things. They ultimately want, you know, women to want and value what they want because it will make it easier to oppress us. And that's why men are now starting to panic when you know women are seeing you know successful female role models who have a good career who are saying no to having kids who are getting married on their own terms who are demanding more from men and being successful at it because ultimately it comes back to you know men wanting to make it easier for them as a class to be able to oppress women and if they can no longer convince women or project onto women their needs wants and desires that then becomes a lot more difficult. And that is why there's always been a backlash to every single wave of feminism.
0: Right, exactly. So if they can't project the things that they want onto us, then they can't effectively control the narrative. And when they can't effectively control the narrative, then they can't effectively exert power over us to do what they want.
1: Yes, exactly. And again, with that one, I would just say any narrative that comes from a man, whether I would always just do it in terms of the female litmus test as well. Does it maximise female benefit? If it doesn't, or if you think there's a question mark around it, then that's for you to go away and to unpick that as to what that particular tradition or, you know, what that means like for your own life. But I am glad now, thanks to social media and just more of a radical awakening amongst women that we are moving Slowly but surely away from the idea that, you know, for example, men say something and then, you know, women just go along with it. I think there is a lot more critical thinking. The trad wives, I think they'll get there eventually, but I'm still holding that hope for them. But that's what I'm really, really glad to see just generally in society. So we need to just keep up with it as well. And yeah, so don't let them project. We are not cinema screens, women. We are women. So. You know, men don't need to project their shit onto us. Exactly. And number nine is the lies, the lying. Lying. (laughs) I mean, lying, yeah. This
0: one's pretty straightforward. They just lie, they just make stuff up. They don't tell you the truth. And there's big lies and there's small
1: lies and there's societal wide lies. Yeah. I read a really good quote from a feminist on Twitter. I'll definitely see if I can find the quote. It might be from a deleted account now, but they were saying that, you know, when they lie or they're not consistent, they don't see it as lying because in the moment they will say whatever needs to be said to get them the outcome that they want. So this is why they can be so wildly inconsistent with what they want. Do you know what I mean? And I think that is a really great way to look at, you know, when you're dealing with your interactions with men. And this is part of the reason why FDS, we say you need to vet men for a very, very long period of time to almost be constantly vetting, just to make sure that what he's saying is consistent and most importantly, what he's saying actually aligns with his actions, because there are a lot of men that will say whatever needs to be said in order to get what they want in the moment.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, there's been a couple of studies on gender differences between men and women when it comes to lying. And a lot of them have concluded that men lie more often, men tend to tell bigger lies, and men are more skeptical than women.
1: So they know they're liars. Joking.
0: <laughs> but women are tend to be able to sense lies a little bit more than men are. So it's interesting because there's a social aspect of lying and it's about control. I think it just comes down to the idea that men feel like they deserve power by any means necessary. And one of the best ways to get power is to just lie to people, right? Like, when you think of all the, like, biggest scams that have ever happened in society, they're all named after men, right? Like Ponzi scheme.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Pyramid scheme wasn't named after a man. It was invented by a man, though.
0: Yeah. I mean, men are expert architects of complicated lies. And some of those lies have societal-wide effects, right? Like collapsing the whole goddamn economy. So way to go, Scroats. Because... Once again, I don't know if it's just empathy differences that are socialized or biological, or there's less consequences for men for telling these type of lies, because ultimately, a man can tell a lie. And unless you have the ability or the power to stop him from asserting that lies the truth, then often women just kind of have to go along with it. You know, because men have other types of power in addition to the ability to lie, like they have physical power, economic power, social power. If they tell a lie and no one can stop them from telling that lie, uh, then that's what it is. (laughs) Right. And they keep telling the lie until somebody stops them. So that's it. It's a power tactic. So for women, it's a tough thing because you mean your bullshit meter's
1: gotta be high, your empathy's gotta be low. Yeah. And not only that, like your bullshit meat has to be high, but you also need to be able to follow through on that. You know, when there are lots of women who know that something isn't quite right with a man or they know that he's lying, but they sort of, you know, brush it under the carpet or don't, you know, lean into that intuition. Like, honestly, like whenever I've suspected a guy of hiding something big from me and I've investigated, I've always been correct. And this is part of the reason why, like, you know, like on Reddit, when a woman suspects her man of cheating, for example, and she goes to his phone and finds something, you see some of the comments being like, you've invaded his privacy when it's like, well, no, because if your suspicions are confirmed, that almost negates the invasion of, or it should negate the invasion of privacy because you were proven correct. They were lying to you. So it's also about leaning into that bullshit meter because also, like I said, like men are often not very good liars.
0: And they don't have to be right because they have other types of powers. So they can get up there and tell bald faced lies. I mean, you've seen our politicians, right? And unless you can stop them, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to change. They're going to keep asserting whatever narrative, no matter how much it's built in a house of horseshit and lies that benefits them until you can stop them. Exactly. So I understand like a lot of politicians, for example, know they're full of shit. And this is not even just on the political level. This is corporate. This is everywhere. There's always somebody at the top, usually a man who is going to put forth a narrative that he knows is horseshit. And your ability to succeed in that system is how well you either adapt to that narrative and you're a good actor or actress and pretend like you believe it and go along with their initiative. Or if you're fully drunking the Kool-Aid and like don't know it's a lie <laughs> either or right. So, you know, understanding that power dynamic is like the bitterest pills to swallow in my opinion, because sometimes you realize like, Oh, wow, it's. A man's world, and, and we're living in it more specifically. It's a rich man's world, and we're living in it, meaning they can get up there and say things about women that we know to be objectively not true. And we've dismantled a lot of those things here on the female dating strategy podcast, um, and other places over the years, right? Like things like, oh, women are attracted to older men, right? <laughs> no
1: one wants a saggy bald screw, as Ray eloquently said. <laughs> but thing is, like she said as well, like we also said the manosphere also have a a reckoning and an awakening that that's not true like when they're 40 they're not gonna get 18 year old women wanting them no we don't want to fuck you man (laughs) even if they have money exactly they'll be fucking the cute bartender who makes 12 dollars an hour on the side exactly hotties want to fuck other hotties this is not
0: like Rocket science. Women do have uh, sexual preferences as well. And this is not rocket science to anybody except for men who are trying to use all of the emotional manipulation tactics we've talked about in this episode, negging women who don't want to date old saggy bald croats. Remember, we've talked about that. There was an example that we had a couple of episodes back about these uh, Instagram models. We we're talking about how they wouldn't date guys in their 30s. There were Instagram models in their 20s and how the men like were raging about that on and attacking these women. They were raging about that on Twitter for days, trying to bully these women into dating old men. Apparently it didn't work. (laughs) Next thing was projection, right? Like, oh, a lot of women like older men. That's what they always start with. And that like older men are more desirable and women like this because, and the reason they're mad is because the projection didn't work. So they went back to bullying, lying, (laughs) right? You know what I'm saying? Like, It's a cycle of men trying to assert a narrative that's horseshit. And sometimes they're successful because we live in a society where men often have the microphone. And so women just think that must be true because the director of such and such company is saying that, or this person with a PhD from this university is asserting this. And not realizing that these people have an agenda. Like they'll straight up manipulate data to say whatever they want it to say, right? And sometimes it doesn't come out to years after the fact that whole industries are built on mountains of lies. <laughs> so... Just understand that, that like you don't have to believe everything just because it comes from like a so-called expert. You should be skeptical of any uh, man who pushes a narrative that doesn't feel good to you, even if you can't articulate it yet. Cause chances are it's, it's a lie. You know, deep down in your heart that like you have a crush on that cute boy in your class <laughs> when you're in college and like you weren't trying to date like 35 year old like coffee stained bloated men for like with a 401ks. Like they're just lying right like they're just telling like false based lies and like trying to push women to do it so they know if they lie often enough it becomes the truth if nobody can stop if they can accumulate enough power to prevent women from fighting back so like just don't accept it and understand that it's always in their interest to lie project neg bully gaslight and weaponize your empathy cuz the last resort is what about all those poor lonely men that's why we need to have a uh, prescription prostitutes those poor lonely men who can't have sex because you know that's going to be the last resort once they realize they can't gaslight younger women having sex with
1: them they'll try and do it by force yeah they'll try and do it by mandate
0: not even by mandate but like weaponize empathy by trying to make women feel bad for men who don't get sex
1: yep it's already starting exactly don't feel bad that's their karma they
0: suck they shouldn't like
1: (laughs) And also as well, just off the back of lying as well, just for people who are out there dating or getting to know men, especially online, be careful of A1 because chat GPT is very, very clever and women are now being met with men who are literally chat GPTing their whole conversation because obviously chat GPT can make somebody come across better than they actually are. So these lazy scrotes are now generating whole ass conversations using chat GPT. So just be aware of that if you're dating online, because like usually though, like people who use chat GPT like that are not very cerebral. So it's usually quite obvious because A1 speaks in a certain way, but over time they will start getting clever with it. So you won't know the difference, but yeah, just something to be aware of. That just came off my timeline, which I just wanted to share is that, you know, men are using different tools to lie. (laughs) A1 to lie. AI. I call it A1. It's AI, artificial intelligence to lie. So watch out for that gotcha so our last strategy last tactic of male power gaslighting so gaslighting i feel like it's one of the most overused incorrectly used terms out there and i think it's important to define what it actually is so not every form of lying is necessarily gaslighting but gaslighting is a form of lying so gaslighting it's a deliberate abusive tactic in order to get somebody to doubt their perception of reality. So it goes a bit beyond lying in that the abuser or the gaslighter is actively trying to get person they are trying to gaslight to doubt their own perception and memory of events. So it's a lot more involved than just lying. And I feel like it's one of those terms like narcissism that is just being bandied around when, it actually refers to a specific manipulation tactic and a manipulation tactic that is very, very abusive and very, very devastating. I mean, not saying that lying isn't abusive or devastating, but gaslighting is lying to a different level. Because usually with liars, what I found is that liars don't care if you believe them or not, right? As long as they can say, I didn't do it, they'll just keep lying, right? Gaslighting is they actually want you to believe an alternative version of events and they can go to great lengths to get you to do that. Just wanted to put that out there from a like, psychology perspective.
0: So what's the official definition of gaslighting? So a form of psychological manipulation in which the abuser attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in their victim's mind. So you can use a lot of different techniques to gaslight somebody,
1: including lying. Yes. Yeah. But people tend to use it in place of lying. It's a lot more involved than just lying, if that makes sense. Yes. And it's a form of coercive control, by the way, gaslighting.
0: Yeah. It's a way to get a person to perceive reality in the way that the abuser wants them to perceive it, despite things not being the way that the abuser wants you to perceive it as, right? It's like, it's a form of trying to control a person's movement and perception of a situation by strategic omission of certain information, by... Lying, meaning they'll do things like they'll
1: say something and then pretend they never said it. That's obviously a form of lying. Or they'll twist like certain events, an event that actually happened, they will twist that to make them look favorable and you look unfavorable. So, like manipulating the situation as well.
0: That is another tactic they can use. I think the difference is the length of time as well as the pervasiveness of the control from the gaslighter to the gaslighty right the idea is to make you doubt your own sanity and doubt your own perception of events yes one of the ways people do that is by taking a narrative
1: i think a form of gaslighting that tends to come up a lot especially when it comes to men and women is gaslighting women into believing that male depravity in relationships is not only normal, but women should be okay with it and actively encourage it. So we see things like with BDSM or, you know, allowing porn in relationships where women who speak against porn in relationships are deemed to be crazy, even though the porn in society is objectively having a negative effect on, for example, male and female relationship dynamics, But at the same time, men are gaslighting us into believing that it's a normal, it should be seen as a normal part of a healthy relationship, for example. That's one of the ways that women can be gaslit by men into accepting behavior that is not in their best interests from men. When you look at
0: gaslighting on a societal level, that's essentially what politics is. It's a bunch of people who want to control a narrative a certain way and suppress any type of evidence to the contrary of their narrative. That's essentially the game of politics. And if people are successful at it, meaning like they are able to gaslight a lot of people into believing something that's against their interest for the benefit of a
1: few, then they can get very rich and very powerful, right? Oh my God. That's on my heart. Like the minute you say that, I just thought of Brexit, like my heart is just I'll never go over that. But yeah, that's just so eloquently put and the Brexit debate just encapsulates that from a uk perspective
0: explain it a little bit for us non-uk people like what about that gas is gaslighting
1: so to cut a very very long story short the uk has always had quite a acrimonious relationship with the eu because there's this talk of giving up our sovereignty we have to answer to brussels which is complete nonsense by the way without getting too political but the eu is basically isn't like the u.s even though some people want to make it a federation, but that will never happen because I just don't see that passing. But it's a group of states that basically starts to come together and agree on certain laws and, you know, customs to make it easier and to make Europe a stronger continent. But not every country in Europe is part of the EU. So bearing in mind, Britain was one of the big three of the EU. So the EU 28. So alongside Germany and France and the UK, every EU law that was passed, the UK agreed to it or our representatives agreed to it. But when it came to the Brexit vote, the narrative was that, oh, Brussels, you know, they tell us what to do when it's like EU can't, the way it's structured is that every country has a veto, number one, and countries like the UK, majority of the time, especially on the big issues, we always voted in favor of that particular law. So the idea that we were just being ordered around by Brussels was complete and objective nonsense. And what was even worse during the, the run-up to the referendum, so the Tories decided to hold a referendum. A referendum is basically like a giant opinion poll where every person who's eligible to vote can basically say yes or no to EU membership. In the run-up, it was wild. So we had every leading economist, every leading expert from mi Bank of England, basically telling the country, Brexit's going to be a terrible idea. Don't do it. Like, you know, vote to stay in the EU. And people still believe this narrative that being in the EU was terrible, that, you know, we would have so much more free trade. At the time, I think Obama was president at the time, and he said, like, by the way, if the UK leaves the EU, they are going to go to the back of the queue in terms of US trade deals. Because it's actually in part thanks to the EU that a lot of the shit that's in American food is banned in the UK because our laws just won't allow it. And it's part of the reason why things like the EU also regulates, you know, massive conglomerates. So you can't get, you know, companies buying out the competition due to EU competition. law, for example, I'm really drawing on my degree knowledge here. So if it's a bit rusty, bear with me. So, yeah, so this was mass gaslighting in that the EU, whilst it's not perfect, but the UK was objectively better off in the EU than outside of it, because ever since we've left, bearing in mind we've had Brexit, we've had COVID, but everything's just gone to ship in the UK. So it's a lot harder now for businesses to export to the EU. We've had to basically concede Northern Ireland. So there's a whole discussion around ports. And basically, if we keep on the track that we're going, it's possible that the outcome of the EU referendum could lead to the breakup of the UK. So Scotland could be independent, that Northern Ireland has to play by different rules basically putting us in a much worse position. And you had people who were who were saying this would happen based on decades of experience and research. They were drowned out by the politicians who were anti-Europe, anti-EU, basically gaslighting the nation, telling them that the reason why this country has gone to shit is because of the EU. Once we leave the EU, everything will get better. And it was all lies. And we even had, like, Americans, I remember the day after the vote, we had, like, Americans saying, like, I don't really understand why you've done that. And it's like, if even Americans, no offense, like, I don't mean that in a rude way, but if even Americans who don't live here understand the damage, then I don't know how British people can't understand the damage. But then Americans, they weren't exposed to the Brexit propaganda that was happening in this country. And for the average person who is not as informed because the EU is a very complex structure, I did my dissertation on it as part of my undergrad, and it is a very complex structure, lots of intricacies. But when you put something down that to a yes or no question, it's very, very difficult to make an informed choice unless you actually bother to to read and do critical thinking, which politics relies on people not doing, basically. So yeah, that was the Brexit. I'm still, we voted to leave six years ago, seven years ago now, and I'm still not over it. I'll never go over it because that was just one of the biggest case of political gaslighting that I've seen in my lifetime.
0: So that's essentially the main tactics of emotional manipulation that men use in order to gain power, both on an individual and a societal wide level. So I think once again, it's important to, recognize when you're in a narrative, look at the cost-benefit analysis of any narrative you adopt, especially if it's being put forth by men as it pertains to women. And look at the facts. (laughs) Do your best to look at the facts and not let them use emotional manipulation strategies as a way to extract power from you and add it to themselves. Because it's an infinitely repeatable formula where men use women's natural tendencies towards empathy being less skeptical, being more likely to give people the benefit of the doubt because they're more empathetic against us constantly. And they can do it in ways that are extremely unethical, that everyone agrees are unethical, but often because women don't necessarily recognize that it's a lie and believe these guys in good faith, then they're able to freely navigate society until we all wake up from the fever dream of gaslighting they crafted around us. So that's the second part of this 25 tactics series so if you would like to discuss this with us on our discord check us out on patreon.com forward slash female dating strategy send us your roasted scroats, by the way i think we're going to do a roasted scrope episode soon enough
1: yeah it's summer or summer is coming almost summertime and we need to light the fds barbecue again heck yeah and cook some scroat bodies so please do send and also your queen shit as well we want to hear how well you're doing and we want to celebrate you as well so please send us those too.
0: yes and check us out on twitter at fem.strat on, on the website www.thefemaledatingstrategy.com and on instagram at underscore the female dating strategy thanks for listening queens and for all you saggy bald groats out there nobody wants you stop lying god die mad